All right, fine. I'll be a gracious host. How you doing? Little Mermaid is the scariest Disney movie by far, though. Why the hell is Ace Blade in your Kickstarter? <laughs> Some comics. We gonna, I'm getting controversial today. We're going to get controversial today with... with... My, my proudest moment is this interview. Being able to talk to you too. All right, let's get into this, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Taurus Comics, in collaboration with Fourth Wall Productions, proudly brings to you the Four Tales podcast. I'm your host, Kyron Silva from Taurus Comics. Across the way is the... I forgot to look up a synonym for purple. I knew I forgot to do oh, something. Oh, man. All right, I'm going to have to go with what we did yesterday. The purple publicist of Ace Blade, Denny J. Quick, and together we are your two award-winning Blurred Comic creators here to help you find your next favorite book. We are live on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, and a host of other programs. So if you're listening or watching us live, thank you for your support. But don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and review this podcast because all your positive reviews and interactions help us reach a bigger audience. And if you are on Facebook, I put a link in the chat that says chat.restream.io slash FB. Click on that. My understanding of that is if you click on that and enable it, it allows us to actually finally see who you are instead of it saying Facebook user. Uh-huh. So definitely click on that, you know, so we can know who you actually are. All right. Good morning, Danny J. Quick. How are you? Good morning, Kyron. I'm doing pretty good. I hope you are. Um, no, because... My son told me that he made a mess in his bed about 30 minutes ago. The so oldest one? after we do the show, I get to go clean that up. The, the oldest son? Yes, my no, not my 19-year-old. Come on. Oh, okay. The 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 little one. The little, yeah, my 19-year-old kids woke up. Hey, I, was, I was just wondering like the, the 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 one that came back home from work at midnight last night, he said yeah. dad I made a mess in my bed. I had new new job can be stressful, man. Like you working out there working, and you know sometimes your body just don't do what it's supposened to do. So, hey, right, it's happened to all. It's happened to all of us. I can't believe he's actually been working at this job for almost a year now. Nice, nice. That's good. And he's making more money than I do selling comics, though. That's consistent. Consistent. All right, huh? what's going on with you, though? Oh man. Uh... You, you can't yawn. yawn. We've already said you I'm, can't yawn on the show when you have. What? It's it's ten a.m. here. I've already been working. We got, I've got the, uh, the t-shirts. Uh, as soon as we're done with this, we're gonna be making some t-shirts. Got a new Ace Blade design, um, for the escape room. Well, not for the escape room, but you know, for people to see when they come out. So, we always had a, um, we had our first, you know. Uh, escape room attendees. We had two groups come through on Thursday. Um, people that I'd never met before. You know, this is the first group of people that I didn't invite personally myself. So, okay. Um, and they seemed to have a good time. And it was, it was, it was. I was nervous about it, but it was fun. It was fun. So, um, so did they escape? They were the first group was very close. They were two two clues away from escaping. Like they gotten the final. They gotten all the pieces to put together the the code to get out, but uh, they were missing one thing. And then um, second group 
they they were struggle. They were struggle. But it was it was some younger some younger kids. They were you know it was only three of them, so I knew it was going to be a little harder for them. But they had a good time. You know, we me and my wife we kind of coached them along, so it was it was kind of cool. Okay. Well, if you are in the Burlington, North Carolina area, please go to 1412 North Church Street, Burlington, North Carolina, 27217. And you can try out Danny's escape room and hopefully escape. And if you don't, maybe give him feedback on things that can make it better and more entertaining. Uh, I do want to bring up an issue I have with you that I've had for a bit, though. Um, oh. and it involves your website and I want to, I, I want to go through this quickly because we have an amazing guest today. Um, I don't want people to think that we're stalling or anything, but so I'm going to bring up your website real quick. Um, and we have Danny's fourth wall pros.com. You can see it talks about ace blade lumberjack. Uh, we have these amazing ace blade cream shoes drawn by myself. Um, got some hats of course, cause you know. We got those snapbacks, got Ace Blade, you know, all, all these great things for fourth wall pros, you know, great stuff. Everybody go there, buy everything, especially the shoes. But then we have this part of Danny's website, and I'm going I'm to bring that here. And we have this section called the Black Comics section, Black Indie Comics. Great stuff. Ace Blade, King Supreme, Lumberjack, Scarlet Ranger, Base Force, which I actually created a name, Base Force. Um... Five Star, uh, we got, you know, Heat from Javon Stokes, you know, all these great comics, Acolyte. Uh, there's a lot of good ones out there. There are, there's there's amazing career. Where the hell are my books, dude? <laughs> there's like, a lot of great ones missing. Wait, 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 wait let's go back, wait. I, I, I have not had it. Listen, wait, wait. I, I, I literally just took the ones from the Facebooks and put them on there and the next week I updated some more and I have I just have not had a chance to go back and I'm trying to get my this is my daughter's fault Kendra's supposed to be running the website so I'm blaming her Kendra is supposed to be updating this stuff and she has not done her job I'm gonna have to fire her um now doesn't have a job anymore thanks Kyron you have 41 books up here you couldn't think of putting one of my books on there huh 41 I'm gonna I'll fix it. All right. As all soon right. as I get done right. the script for you, I'll fix that. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm glad we can get that out the way. All right. So now that that's all done, yeah. I've vented. I feel better. My, my mental health has improved a little bit. Let's bring on our guest. Um, this is a very talented person. She is a award-winning author, an actress, a playwright, and narrator. And I'm, I have a feeling I mess up her name, even though I'm looking at the questionnaire that she phonetically spelled it out for me. Liana Renee Heber is our amazing guest today. Oh, she gave me a thumbs up. So that means I must have I said it correctly. It. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for being on the show. Thank, thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you both. No, um, so. Like I mentioned this before, um, off air, we are definitely a comic book centric podcast, but we want to make sure that we open up our platform to anybody that's a creator. So to anybody of our audience that isn't familiar with the work, give us a brief rundown of who you are, what you've done, you know, things like that. Well, hello. Thank you. And um, again, I'm so glad to 
be here. I write novels where ghosts are at the forefront. So um, whether it's fiction or I have an upcoming nonfiction, I'm also a ghost tour guide in Manhattan. And I've been obsessed with ghosts and ghost stories since I was a kid. So in terms of my fiction, I have um, 16 novels out um, with some more on the way. And all of them are gas lamp fantasy. So what I mean by that is it's historical fantasy set in the late 19th century, but with fantastical elements. So it's sort of like steampunk, but whereas steampunk focuses on um, sort of Victorian science fiction, this is that same gaslit era, hence the term gas lamp, but with fantasy elements rather than science fiction elements. So if you're looking for like technological gadgets, you want to go towards steampunk if you're looking for magic and paranormal things and other things prophecies maybe some mythology is coming in that's where you go towards the gas lamp fantasy uh genre and so that's what i do i try to create um action adventure ghost stories a little bit of spooky sometimes a little bit of romance with a diverse cast of characters uh, of people coming together to save the day against uh all odds. So I really love big casts of characters um, where, where quirky people are called upon to do some incredible things to uh, to help make sure that the, the bad guys don't get away with it. Okay, that sounds interesting. Now you, you said your, your stories are very centered around ghosts. Where did this love or um, maybe not love, but uh, um, need to have ghosts in the stories come from? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like ever since I was was little it's it is it is a no no for real it's um it's something that goes back to some of my earliest memories i remember just instinctively telling uh ghost stories to my girl scout troop when i was little and finding a supreme power in people <laughs> but like gently gently scaring people you know i'm not i'm not into the i'm not into the the scaring at all costs kind of thing i, I like that sort of safe spooky um, where people still feel like they're safe, but you get to have that little bit of edge of a thrill. And the thing about ghost stories is that like everybody has one. I think that they're imminently relatable. Like everyone that we talk to has, even if you're not a believer in ghosts, you've got a friend who's like, I something weird happened and I can't explain it. So I feel like in some ways it's almost our most relatable paranormal. One of the earliest books I remember carrying around obsessively um, was just this chapter book of 13 ghost stories. And I still have this tattered paperback somewhere. Let's see, where is it? So it's right here on my bookshelf because I, uh, it's like this, this old beat up, this is going to date me because it literally is a Xerox publication. Literally the publisher is Xerox as in like the old copier company. Wow. So yes. So this is going to date me, but yeah, for real, look, Xerox. Isn't that wild? Yeah. So yeah, this thing, like I like memorized this thing. And so just this is a collection of ghost stories. And I thought, I, I love this and I'm drawn to it. And a lot of these stories are set in the 19th century. And so I think, you know, and I think we're all exposed to, you know, a, a Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens, a Christmas Carol being like associated with ghosts and that era. And I think for me, for going forward, I was like, I really want to write in that era. And I loved Edgar Allan Poe when I was a kid in school. And so I was like, I was drawn to the spooky. I'm a goth. This has been a thing for a while. So I like, all right, we're, we're going to go down this path and see if we can make a career out of it. Okay. Now you're mentioning well, that. Um, you... I was going to say, uh, I think Danny, this, your I think internet this is going bad, man. It's always every week, man. It's like every other week with this thing. But if you can hear, I think it's, I think it's funny how um, at that early age, 
age we're so impacted by the things that we uh consume for me it was anime and cartoons and superheroes and for you it was ghost stories for you know it was um the samuel you know, kings so you know, it's just it's just crazy you know how those things influence us for for a whole our whole lives I'm getting a furious <laughs> typing response. Amazing. I, d I just don't know why we have to bring up my Sacramento Kings in this when, we're, when we have an, a guest on the show. Hey, there's, there's always a place. Okay. There's always a place for cool. a good old-fashioned rivalry. <laughs> I just think that it's... it's, it's a, I know for my children, they're right now they're, they're into anime and they, uh, you know, they're fine they like I was um when you were at the store I was thinking about this um, green book and how it's got like a quirk you know like team of different people who come together to, to save the world and and I, I just love stories like that where you see all these diverse type of people in fact backgrounds and specialties and um and now the world is you know kind of getting more diverse where people have more options to do um, to do different things and to have interest in different things and to know what kind of people they are. So you can kind of get, um, you know, each person as a puzzle piece to this bigger picture. And um, I love stories like that. So are, are, is that what is that the kind of story that you are, are talking about? Whereas, um, you know, each person has a different little uh, personality and they, they come together and they just fit the right way to, to accomplish the goal. That is exactly right. I'm definitely interested in everyone having their own unique gift to bring to the table. And especially when you're writing historical fiction, it's all the more important for, you know, I'm, I'm writing books that are set in London or New York City. These are metropolitan places. There is diversity there in these places. There always has been. Since the dawn of literal time, these cities have been diverse with all kinds of different folks from different backgrounds. And if, you, if you're going to whitewash history, it's not historically accurate. It's not. So that's very important for me to have this diverse cast of people from all different backgrounds, racial, um, religious, uh, cultural, um, different belief structures, whether they do believe in the paranormal that's facing them or whether they're very new to this and they're absolutely skeptics. I feel like there's room for every kind of different belief structure as long as you can play nice with the rest of the team. And that's a very important thing. Like you do have to bring your gift to the table and you have to be respectful to your other teammates. And that's definitely something that like I try to create a very welcoming environment with my main cast of characters that then the readers, I want any reader to then feel welcomed in their identity, whether that's, you know, whether gender identity or background of any kind, I want folks to feel welcome as a reader in my worlds and we'll all figure it out together as a team. And so definitely it's about like the Scooby gang coming together to save the day, but it is, it goes back exactly what you said is they each have a very specialized skill and very often that skill will come from their different background and their different experiences. It's not a homogenous situation. Um, and I think, you know, when when we're talking about things in uh, in the greater world, we are an increasingly connected society. We're an increasingly connected world. And I want to make sure that even if I'm writing historical fiction, that that connectivity is still not lost. I love it. Um, go ahead. Go ahead, Karen. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I, I thought it was, it's funny that you bring up Scooby-Doo because 
me and anybody who watches our shows, this show or Top Five Live, they know that I am scared of anything supernatural. I will not watch. I will not watch scary movies if it has a ghost or a or a spirit or a demon in it. I will not. Me and my family, we do not watch that stuff. But it's because I believe that those things exist, and I believe that you know. You know, people have their own, you know, influences and things like that. And you never know what somebody's trying to do. It's just part of kind of my culture. But um, watching Scooby-Doo, you know, they always had, you know, it might have been a a, a, a zombie or, or a ghost or something like that. But it was always a man behind the mask. So it was a lighter, um, a lighter side to those kind of ghost stories. Um, but as I got older, you know, and I was started being interested in those things, like I would, you know, I'd, I'd watch, you know, kind of like you said the the softer scary uh <laughs> the softer scary stuff um and you know now that my kids are to the age where they can watch it I, I, I try not to keep it from them I try not to you know tell them that you can't you can't watch that you don't know you know such and such so I think it's very important to uh to know you know let them be exposed to different um things so that they can decide what they like themselves you know they don't have to wait until they're 37 to 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 find something that they enjoy so um absolutely i think i think it's wonderful to have a like a diversity of in liter literature and then in the literature also and we do have a looks like we have a couple actual audience questions so first one um from facebook user what is your favorite part of writing that's a great question uh and it's it's one that i always love answering because it's one that all of us as creators have this feeling with that often. And we're like, what is my favorite part of writing? Because a lot of the business, whether it's comics, whether it's art, any creative endeavor, sometimes that process, even though you love it, it can be really, really hard. We're dealing with deadlines. We're dealing with family. We're dealing with life. We're dealing with things that get in the way. And so how do we like protect our creative time, which is kind of a constant question, right? So for me, my favorite part of writing is frankly, daydreaming. And it's a really important part. I mean, I know that a lot of writers will say, you got to get words on the page. Of course, you have to get words on the page. I absolutely know that. But I really love that time when I'm just thinking about new ideas, where I'm just letting myself daydream like I would as a kid. And so it sort of connects me to, to outside of all the business stuff, outside of the very difficult road of, of, publishing in general. Um, I'm traditionally published with New York houses, but like whether you're self-published or whatever, like it's a hard road no matter what. I don't say that to be discouraging at all. It's just a reality of it. And, you know, and our love for the business and our love for the creation keeps us going. So I think in some ways for me, my favorite part is that daydreaming process because it, it kind of cuts the noise out of the rest of the industry of it and just connects me to that raw hope and like thrill of a new character, a new setting, and where is it going to take me? Um, and then I, I love just taking down notes, little scraps of dialogue that pop in my head. So I think that process where I'm really kind of a, literally an open book about it and just kind of sitting back and letting the ideas come to me. And sometimes I use those ideas, sometimes they transform into other things. So that sort of open part of that process which I think all of us, I think no matter where you are, if you're if you are a creative person or maybe you're more a science driven person, or maybe you're both a, you're a creative and a science type person. It's that place where you are 
letting ideas flow. And I think that that, I hope that that's relatable to everybody because I think we all have the capacity to be really, you know, genius people thinking about amazing things. So wherever that part of yourself that is an idea person, that for me is, that's my favorite part. Thanks for the question. We have another question here. I'm assuming this is towards Danny. Uh, what if it has demons in it? I, I think we're going back to the you wouldn't watch it if it had ghosts. Although no, you, you uh, love Demon Slayer, so I don't know what's no, I don't. What, no, I don't love Demon Slayer. And that's oh, the that's okay. the. I still I still won't watch One Piece for that very reason. I love anime, but I will not watch One Piece, and I will not watch Demon Slayer. Um, but my, I let my kids watch it. You know, if they enjoy it, they enjoy it. I'm not I'm not gonna just put my time into it though. Um, but I'm more open to watching things like that. I can do ghosts and I can do um, like scary, ominous figures like Jason, who are just people, people running around killing people. OK, but when it comes to demons and, and spirits, I, it's just not for me at this time. So see, most people <laughs> say they won't watch One Piece because it has a thousand episodes. You say you won't watch it for other reasons. That too. That too. Okay. Everybody's uh, got to figure out their their fine line. Like everybody's got to draw a line about what they are and they're not comfortable with. I totally, I'm totally right. with you. I I'm very careful about what I'm writing though too. Like I am dealing with stuff that is you know that is mm -hmm. in sort of the paranormal realm, and I also create that line for myself. Like I all of the content in my books. I keep PG-13 in rating because that's where I want to stay. I mean, I have spooky stuff, but the spooky stuff is there so that my characters go through the scary stuff towards hope at the end and towards mm -hmm. a happy ending where folks have solved the problem. So that's really important for me because I don't want to stay. Like, I have horror elements in my work, but I'm not a horror author. I'm specifically right. a historical fantasy author, and I have a fantasy arc in my books because I want to have that sort of resolution of of the problem that's solved and everyone can take a breath of, of hopeful air rather than ending on, uh, ending on a note of terror. That's just not where I want to, that's not where I want to live. That's not where I want to stay. No, no yeah. offense for horror writers. I have ex such an extreme respect for horror writers across the board, but that's just not for me because I can't stay in that place. And that's what I need. I don't need any horror in my life. I love happy endings here and there. So I think that's a, a very important distinction, too, because um, like people like me, I, I'm, I'm extremely interested because I am intrigued by that stuff. It is stuff that I'm interested in, but I don't enjoy being scared. Like, I don't enjoy fear. You no, know? there's enough. There's enough fear in real life. I don't I don't need it to be in my entertainment. I can I can get the spooky, you know, and I can get with the intriguing parts of Ooh, what is this? Um, strange new thing and and how how is it you know trying to interact with us as people I don't enjoy the being scared part so that's why you know I stay away from stuff and I, and I, and like I said your work is you know at that PG thirteen level where it's like okay I can I can fulfill my you know my my human <laughs> my human uh, conscious uh, inquiries but you know. No, I don't have to, to be scared to go through it. So I love it. Yeah, it's important for me to, to clarify that, like, my ghosts are friendly ghosts because I really kind of utilize like, ghosts in my world a lot more like guardian angels. Like, they're, they're spirits of loved ones who are deciding to stay on 
rather than going to the great beyond. And I don't presume to tell anyone what the great beyond is. I try to stay very, you know, open about all of that. Cause again, I want everybody to feel welcome. Um, and so that, that sense of spirits is to still have something to do. They want to help the living solve a crime. They want to help the living be safe. They want to help the living feel not alone. Um, and so in that regard, like that, that is how I tend to utilize ghosts because to tell you the truth, a lot of my sense of the spirit world really does come from like loved ones, whether it's spirits of my loved ones and my family or others who are, are kind of trying to like let the living know that they're not alone and that they're still loved even beyond this corporeal, um, this, this mortal coil, I think that that's, that's an important thing for me in my work. So it is, it's spiritual. Um, yes, with spirits in it, but I'm really, I'm much more interested in like the friendly ghost than I am in the scary ghost. The, I still have spooky situations, but half the time, some of what's scary is also stuff that's not only affecting the living world, but also affecting the spirit world in a negative way too. So it's basically sort of a negative versus positive thing, um, which I think all of us in this world need to kind of like, we, like you said, there's enough scary stuff in the world. There's enough negative stuff in the world. So I'm trying to lean into that positivity. All right, now we have one more question here in the audience. Um, this is actually when I was going to ask, uh, when did you know that writing was it for you? Okay. That's a really, that's a really great question because I, as you heard from the intro, I have lots of different career paths that I've taken. Um, so my, my degree is in theater with a minor in the Victorian era, because I was always fascinated with the 19th century in a way that I couldn't quite figure out. The only reason, the only way I could figure it out was like a past life scenario where I'd had some unfinished business in the past life. And I kind of came back to talk about it and be like, hey, okay, here's some other things I want to say about this era um, and, and bring some more inclusion into it, bring more voices into that era. Because um, that era was, you know, the 19th century was not a great era if you were anybody but a rich white guy. So, <laughs> so there's a lot to say about era. So, so it's, I, I have a lot to say. And, and my characters have a lot to say about it. So, so I, I had this passion for the, writing about this era. Like I started my first novel when I was 11 years old and it was set in 1888. So this has like been a thing for my whole life. But theater was the thing I did sort of professionally. So I toured mm. the regional theater circuit doing period drama, a lot of Shakespeare, a lot of 19th century drama. Um, and then I was at a Broadway callback and all I could think about was book that I was writing on my off time. And I knew that like, okay, if, if I was at a Broadway callback and I was thinking about this book that I was drafting, mm -hmm. I needed to stop auditioning and go work on that book. Because if you're at like the top level of auditioning and you're thinking about something else, then clearly you need to do that other thing. Because everyone else at that callback, they were highs on the prize. And I wasn't going to go further in that industry unless I was all in on that industry. And I still do act. I still do perform. I have a one woman show that I tour about a 19th century woman designer who was kind of unknown to history for a long time. And she's really interesting. So I still keep the theatrical aspects in my work, but writing at the end of the day, I knew I would never be happy unless I stopped everything and and started writing what would become my debut novel, which is the Strangely Beautiful series. So that, that was that was when writing was it for me. Thank you. That's, that's actually funny you mentioned that about keep your eye on uh, people there to have their eye on the prizes. There is a, a great line in Sister Act 2 with Whoopi Goldberg where she's talking to <laughs> Lauren Hill. 
And she's like, if all you do is think about writing, you want to be a writer. If all you think about is being a singer, you want to be a singer. So that, that's actually really great to. Yeah, no, I actually, yeah. I think somewhere in there, that's like, was in my head of like thinking about, you know, because Whoopi Goldberg's always such, such a great voice of reason, whether, you know, whether, whether gently or just more to the point. And so I know, I know that had to be in there because I love those movies <laughs> of like yeah. me trying to figure out that determination. Well, since you did bring up your, your acting um, you've been in, in roles that people maybe didn't know you were there. Uh, I was looking at your bio and you said you've been in Boardwalk uh, Empire. Uh, you were on the Travel Channel's Mystery of the Museum. Like, how did you get yourself into those roles while, while also trying to be a writer? <laughs> well, the, the, the nice thing about uh, living in New York is that if you are involved in theater, you will ha inevitably have connections that'll be like, oh, hey, here's this thing. You love doing period stuff. They're looking for background actors in Boardwalk to use for the entire season. So I just did a lot of work on Boardwalk. And then one of the a couple of the different episodes I, I was actually featured. Um, I didn't have the time at, to actually audition for the roles that, that are like the actual speaking roles. So I don't actually have a speaking role in Boardwalk Empire, but there's spots and there's stuff on my website where you can see screen stills. And there's moments where I'm actually acting a scene with folks and I was supposed to have a line, but it that didn't make it past. It, I would love that because it's a higher pay grade. And then, you know, you get to say you're an actual under five is the 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 uh, the industry terminology for any anything that's under five lines you're an under five day player um and so i was supposed to have a line but that didn't happen but it was neat to be in period costume i got lots of great photos you know it was good for social media um because i worked every single season of that show um and uh and that was a blast in terms of the mysteries at the museum and beyond the unknown two of the travel channel shows i've been on um i I had done some content for their websites uh, in some haunted places around New York City. And this goes back to my being a ghost tour guide for Burroughs of the Dead, um, which is uh, uh, um, Andrea Jane, the founder, is my co-author for my upcoming nonfiction about real stories, about real ghosts. So um, that connection as, as a ghost tour guide led the Travel Channel to be like, hey, you're an expert on Victorian spiritualism. We have this thing we're going to be debunking about the the... 19th century Eddie brothers who were these guys who said they were contacting the spirit world and they really were just ma magicians in a spirit cabinet which was just a magician's box basically so like I was called upon to talk about the era and why there was such a, a fervor about contacting the spirit world because there was also a lot of fakes and frost through that too so I love talking about, about like the reality of people interested in speaking with the beyond and then the fact that there's a whole lot of fakes out there too, and a lot of people that were taking advantage of the grieving. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, well, this is the part of our show where we actually, Danny gets to take over, um, and he gets to do his quick takes, which is a rapid fire, <laughs> a rapid fire set of questions. He's going to give you five questions. You're going to have 45 seconds to answer those questions, and I'll let Danny take over. And now a word from our sponsor. What's up, everybody? It's Kyron. And I just want to prepare you that the second half of this episode gets a little choppy audio-wise. Uh, Danny had some issues with his internet. So stick with us. It ends up being a great episode, but stick with us as best as possible. And now back to the show. <laughs> Thank you. 
to put myself in the story. So my first question for you is, which popular ghost story would you put yourself in if you, uh, you had a chance to experience it? Oh my goodness. I would have to say that I would put myself in the turn of the screw which is, you might know it as The Haunting of Bly Manor. It was adapted by um, by the folks who did The Haunting of Hill House. I would put myself in the turn of this group because I want to know what really happened. A story about an unreliable narrator and I want to figure it out. I love, it. I love, it. Uh, I love, love, um, love stories with the unreliable narrator. It's, uh, it's always, you always have that question. And like, but like, okay, I, I, I get what happened, but what really happened? So I love it. Man, so what's going on two, with the internet? <laughs> Is it really choppy? All right. Yeah, it's it's really bad all of a sudden. Like, it just instantly went out right when we started doing quick takes. Hold on. Hold on. I don't oh, know what's going on right. now. So, number, two, number two, if you can hear me. Um, ghosts? Ghosts. Real or myth? Okay. Ghosts, I think, are real because I have had too many personal experiences that are, that unfortunately take longer than 35 seconds to tell. But I've had strange stuff happen to me and I do write about it in my forthcoming novel. So sorry that that's a bit of a slide and a pitch, but it's the truth. Oh, go ahead. You still have time. Real. You can pitch it. Real. I love it. I've heard, I've heard things guys. and seen things that are not in fact then there when in in a few moments after i closed my eyes opened my eyes the thing that was there is no longer there and what i saw could not have been created by any shadow and i've heard things and other people have heard things and seen things so time's up time's up but they're real mother, i need like i need like a minute mother, I, I need like a minute to tell my to, to like if if i have a minute i will tell you a ghost story from Salem, Massachusetts, but. Once we're out, I definitely want to hear it. Um, <laughs> if you ask Morgan, I was another ghost that uh, he would think he's had too many encounters that, uh, that right. to, for him to believe anything. Yeah. Um, okay, so number three, I think I already know your answer for this. So what is, what do you think is from Hiddleston? Oh. Oh, oh, I'm ready for this. Oh, it's Crimson Peak. It is Crimson Peak because hello, like, look at me. Gothic Victorian ghost stories. Crimson Peak, Guillermo del Toro's most beautiful film. People don't understand it. People don't respect it. It's because it was it, it was marketed as like a Halloween film when really it's just, it's a Gothic romance. It's a psychological thriller. It's not a Halloween scary movie. It's all in the mind. Crimson Peak, everybody. Love it. I have never heard of that movie. But you I'm looking at this. No, but I'm looking at it. It has Tom Hiddleston. It has Charlie Human. It has Doug Jones. Why have yeah. I not heard of this? Yeah. And Jessica Chastain. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Jessica Chastain. Yes. Jessica Chastain. And you she's wonderfully terrible. Oh, my God. It's so good. And you, you I know, know I know I you knew. You knew. Really you knew it. You knew, you knew <laughs> I'm nothing if not predictable in that regard. Okay. Uh, question number four. 
and uh, you kind of went through this, but um, in 45 seconds, tell us what is the hardest part about being, what is the hardest about being an author? Okay, hardest part about being an author, frankly, is the industry because there's so many aspects of it that I cannot control. So the publishing industry, um, especially in traditional publishing, a lot of the aspects of the control of your career are out of your hands. But I have a wonderful editor, I have a wonderful agent, and so I rely on them very, very heavily. But it is hard to have things that you love. I love my books more than anything. I love them more than I can even say. It's hard to have that be sometimes controlled by outside entities. However, I would rather have my books out there than not. So I make the choice to keep going. He, we lost him. <laughs> oh no. Okay. He has All become right. a ghost. Yeah. Seriously. He is he's got in the darkness. He's been spirited away from us. Oh okay. no. All right. Well, I do have his fifth question here. Uh, okay. He, he sent it to me. It sounds like he's trying to come back. There's two Danny J. Quicks here. What is going on? Oh, a doppelganger. All right. See? You back? No, you're not, you're still not there. You're just frozen. All right, I'm gonna do question five for you. Uh, all right, we don't know what's going on with Danny. Uh, Danny, fix your internet. We're gonna start to go fund me so Danny can get better internet. That's what we're gonna do. That's what we're gonna do. But let's do question five. Question five, because you're mentioning you are a big Marvel fan, especially MCU things. So. Since you have not seen all of them, you said, at least off camera, you told us you haven't seen all of them. Yeah, but... I haven't seen I haven't seen Love and Thunder yet. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, what is your top five? What do you say? Top five MCU films. Top five. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, top five MCU films are Ragnarok, Black Panther. The first Avengers. I have to say, I really, really, really loved Ms. Marvel as a, I know that's a show, not a film, but I feel like it counts. And um, I'm really loving She-Hulk, so um, that's where I'm going. Okay. So is She-Hulk number one, or is that number five? Or, uh, or are you not putting in order at all? I'm not, I'm not putting them in order. Those are just okay. like my five that I love. I can't see. That's the thing. It's like, I sit down and I watch one and then I'm like, Oh, this is my favorite. So, but I will say that like, if, if I had to pick what I think is a, if I had to pick what I think is like a perfect Marvel movie, I do think it's black Panther. I think it was one of the most solid across every board, like the pacing, the acting, the beauty of it. That's just like, it's breathtaking. It just was one of the most incredible experiences so and i just so that one is like just struck me as like okay this this needs to win oscars so you know it's like it that for me like transcended in terms of this has gone beyond just being a superhero movie for sure yeah i agree and i'm excited for wakanda forever when that comes out me too oh my gosh it just was like being in the theater for that was just like a whole another level of excitement and like community coming together to for like to celebrate this you know, iconic character. And it just was just was just so well done with some of the best actors in the business. So it's like, I don't know, I just feel like uh, anywhere they go with it, I, you know, 
it's so hard to not have Chadwick Boseman. It's just so hard not to think of him, you know, as I cried so hard during the what if episodes where he mm. was, where his voice was there with us. And I just, that, that what if episode, if I had to like pick a single episode of like all of the Disney plus shows, it's his episode where he is um, star Lord. Yes. I just cried so hard because he's just so good and yep. he's just so like pure. And I just like, I get, I used to get, I like, I get choked up even thinking about it because it just was like his goodness was just this galactic goodness. And I just I felt like that's who he was as a person. And so mm -hmm. for that to sort of be a legacy thing for him, I just uh, that was that for me was like one of the best episodes of television within the MCU was that what if episode. And I just I think about that a lot in terms of like just, a you know, the the different ways that different characters could go in this i think it's a brilliant premise the whole what if thing but that one really 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 got to me i agree that that was a great uh, actually i enjoyed almost all the what ifs but definitely the one with Chadwick was fantastic Oof, yeah. uh had to take deep breaths to be like this is his last work of anything um but yeah yeah that was fantastic yeah 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 but i mean what a but what a legacy it's just you know just trying to think about like he just he left us so much um and just hoping that like and that legacy will live on. And and I totally trust the um, Ryan Coogler and all of the creators behind Wakanda Forever. I totally trust wherever they're going to take us. Um, unfortunately, it looks like Danny's not going to be joining us. Um, we have no idea what happened. If the ghost got him, if his internet got taken. But no. he won't be joining the us. Go if, the go if my ghosts got him, they're friendly. And they're just all having a party. So don't blame <laughs> well, it on my, my ghost. Okay, we want, they're not your ghosts. Like, Danny has his own ghost. Okay, 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 all right. The, one, the ones that scare him. Yes. Okay, not, um, no, let's, I got friendly ones. <laughs> the good thing, though, is um, the after our quick taste is usually the end of our show anyway, so he bowed out at, the, at a great time, I guess. Okay. okay. But we want to make sure that everybody finds out more about you. So this is a point where we actually ask our guests, where can we find your work, your social media, so we can follow you and keep track of everything you're doing? So basically, if you just look at my name on the screen and you put a .com next to it, LeannaReneeHeber.com, that is me. And from there, you can find all my social medias. I'm most active on Twitter. Um, the traditional publishing industry is very active on Twitter, so that is, tends to be where I am. Um, my handle for Twitter is LeannaRenee, so my first and my middle name. I'm also on Instagram at my full name. Um, I have a Facebook page, but I'm just not on there as much. Um, I think with social media, you kind of have to find your one site that you like the most and then like stick to that. I can't keep track of everything. Yeah. Um, but uh, but the, the lovely link that you have that's going across the screen for A Haunted History, that's the link that will go to all the pre-orders for my upcoming book called A Haunted History of Invisible Women, True Stories of America's Ghosts. And it is a real, real life uh, experience book about haunted properties. Uh, Andrea and I have um, been ghost tour guides around country uh, in different capacities. Um, we're predominantly based in New York City, so there's a lot of New York ghosts in there. But we have experiences from places that we've been to and places that we were interested in as well. So it's real history. It's talking about women's ghost stories, stereotypes, tropes, things that were levied on some of these real women before they were even dead, let alone uh, their ghost stories after they're dead. So it's part social commentary. It's part existential question. It's definitely mostly real history and trying to unpack some of these things that get complicated when you start talking about 
people and ghost stories. So um, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of love and heart in it. And so if you're interested in ghosts and also history, uh, please, uh, please check it out. That's, that's coming out in literally a month from today. So September 27th. Oh, wow. So, so and we, I would love, we would both love to hear your thoughts about it. So thanks everybody. Definitely, anybody that's listening to our show today, please go check it out. She has an array of books that all look amazing. And, I mean, she's an award-winning writer. You can't go wrong here. Come on, everybody. But go buy all her books. Um, I guess I have to do Danny's outro since he's not here. So if you maybe want to check out Danny's work, you can go to his website. It's fourthwallpros.com. Um, he is on Twitter, Twitch, TikTok. And Instagram at the Ace Blade, I think is what it is. Um, if you want to check out any of my work, go to my website, TaurusComics.com. I'm also on Twitter, Instagram, underscore, or at Taurus Comics. But if this is your first time checking out the Four Tales podcast, please go to FourTalesPodcast.com. That's the number four, T A L E S podcast.com, and check out some more past episodes. Um, but join us next week where we also have another novelist uh, by name of Janice Denis. She'll be on the show. Hopefully Danny will be here. And uh, yeah, until then, sayonara, goodbye. And everyone, please take care of yourselves. Thanks so much. Music provided by my brother, Quicks Made It. Find him online in YouTube, Instagram, and SoundCloud. Quick is trying to say.